Hello. Welcome to my art form. It's time for post-orthodoxy, a show about changing our minds. Yeah, baby. With your host, Dark and Angsty Sevier. Maybe what they believe about reality isn't all of reality. What? I know, right? We're on a mission to have a better time with more people more often. The question is, more like, how do you get there? Post-orthodoxy explores strongly held beliefs, how those belief systems divide or connect people, and what might be found beyond those reality bubbles. Keep calm. Don't lose your head. I've got a piece of chocolate here with me because I got anxiety about doing this. Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. Welcome to Post-Orthodoxy. Welcome to the Outpost in the Borderlands. Is this thing on? It's on. Um, Very good. This is Red-Handed Jill and Citizen DJ Dark Sevier. Uh, That's right. We haven't said that in a while. Right. Aww. Um, We decided to take a step back today, guys. and Take a step back away from, is it ethical to mandate a medical procedure? Uh, when is it ethical to medic to mandate a medical procedure? When is it ethical? When is it ethical to mandate medical things on other people's bodies? Hmm. We're not going to talk about that. Nope. We're going to go back to the very beginning. Oh wait! Before we do that, oh, we stopped doing this, and I think it's it's caused some problems. <laughs> Welcome to post orthodoxy. Yes. <laughs> if you're not familiar with post orthodoxy, you should understand what we're doing before you decide to participate as a viewer or commenter. Mm. Yes. Post orthodoxy. Let's just look at the name. Not orthodox. Yes. Do you going, know what orthodox means? Going beyond the status quo, beyond fundamentalisms, beyond orthodoxies. Yes. So what that entails for us is looking into things that may not be in the mainstream uh, okayness. Right. So, so when we say post-orthodoxy, a lot of people think religion. Right. We could be talking orthodox religion, or we could be post, we could be talking about orthodox uh, science. Mm. We could be talking about orthodox politics. We could be talking about orthodox sexuality. Orthodox geology. Or we could be talking post those things. Yeah. That's generally what we do here is... We do the post part. The post. Yeah. Whatever the orthodox is. So if you're a person, for instance, that... Um, is deeply convicted in your personal ethics and morals that heterosexual monogamous lifelong marriage is the only appropriate kind of sexuality. We might say some things here that cause you... That would bother some, you. Some discomfort. Yeah. Same thing with all the other categories. Um, we are looking, uh, you know, uh, the history thing of humans moving forward in time and learning stuff is all about going post-orthodox. Uh, it was the orthodox view that black people were inferior to white people. It was the orthodox yeah, view that, was that orthodox. women were inferior to men, inferior, yeah. uh, actual property of that was orthodox. So I think the importance of going post-orthodox is to move forward in our understanding of ourselves and the universe in which we scurry about. That's evolution. I think it's kind of important to to um, stop doing dumb things. It's kind of 
what, where I'm at. Well, that's a really mean way of talking about evolution. Like, uh, like I mean, it's 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 it just mean. Be- yeah, I think it's mean okay. because you're putting a value judgment on the time when someone didn't know something. Okay, let me try to rephrase that. Let's say uh, this is just the way we do things, and then a new and improved way that is demonstrably new and improved comes along occurs. Yeah, and people say, "Fuck that! That's dumb." Because we don't know it. That's dumb. I feel that way sometimes yeah. about certain things I'm learning. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Um, at, at, it's, it's, it's that age-old thing of um, what matters more, your intentions or your actions. If you do an action, but you didn't intend for it to be stupid or cause harm. Is then, it stupid? Th- then that action weighs differently than if you intended to be an idiot or intended to cause harm. If you already know better and then you do something that's pr- different than it's if you do something and you don't know better. It's different when you know better. If you so, go to a new country and you mess up some cultural thing that makes people think you're an idiot, but you didn't mean to, that's different than if you go to a new country and brazenly do stuff that you know are not the cultural thing in that country. So this is what makes post-Orthodox possibly painful for some people who watch. It's true. Uh, We might say something, so you can only be held responsible for what you know. What if we say something that challenges your current state of knowledge, and then you have to make a choice to question the world that you live in? Yeah, and the way you think things are. Or double down on your way knowing that something else challenges it and you just want to ignore it. So then... Then they both take energy. They take energy. But the lie is that if you just ignore the new information, you don't have to expend a bunch of energy, but you actually have to spend a bunch of energy to ignore new information. Uh, a few weeks ago, when we started uh, part two of season two, we started talking about the idea of a mass formation. Yes. You can turn that up in my headphones a little bit if you want. Okay. Yeah. The idea of a mass formation that it's possible for large groups of people to have a shared psychosis that may not be grounded in reality. Yeah, it's that's possible. happened lots of times. It happens all the time. It's happened lots of times in history. So when we said that, some people just started getting angry in the comments. Which is completely understandable because when something challenges your belief about yourself or your mm. belief about reality, it's evolutionarily and primarily seen as a threat to the cave. Uh, it's a threat to the cave. It's a threat to possibly if you entertain a new idea that proves to be correct... It what might, were you before? It might put you at odds with your tribal identity, and that's uncomfortable. Yeah. And possibly dangerous. Now, Dark and I, uh, yeah, actually, some people die when they when they go at odds with their tribal identity. It's true. You won't die. You just might have to get new friends um, in general in the U.S. You're not yeah. going to die if you change your mind, but you might have to get new friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, in general. In general. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dark and I have already lost lots of friends and loved ones because of changing our minds. I mean, for me, it started when I was really young, Mm. you know, um, I grew up super conservative religion and in order to be fully myself and feel as though I, my, my internal ethics aligned with my view of the world, I had to leave evangelicalism behind and move on from Mm. even, it was a starting point that I was given by my parents. And at some point I had to decide to move on, even though that meant that I really didn't get to talk with my family for like five years. Right. Um, yeah, it can be dangerous to change your mind. Um, so 
we want to reiterate these things at the beginning of the we show. We stopped doing the disclaimer for a while. And then people started saying, hey, what are you doing over there? I'm like, well, yeah. this is what we're doing. We're talking about things that may cause discomfort to people where this is new information. It causes discomfort to us to do this show. Yes. Uh, for those reasons and other reasons. Lots um, of people see our show content on Facebook because Facebook is the only platform that's available to us right now right. in the mainstream to broadcast our thoughts you know, we're not going right. to go get on PBS. No. Um, so we can use Facebook. We can use YouTube. We can use Twitch and Twitter. But in general, people are going to find us through Facebook. And the people right. that are finding us are people that already know us. And so they're coming at the discussion from more of a personal perspective, uh, not an organic perspective where they found what we're talking about because they are already interested in what we're talking about. This conversation is not for you if you are not looking for another answer. Right. Some people keep talking to the messengers and choose to ignore the message that is being brought. Yeah. And so we do like to say that we change the, the, the information that we said on last week's show may not be the information that we agree with on this week's show. Yeah. Sometimes we explore new territories, we make hypotheses, we find some source that seems compelling, and then the next week it's like, okay, maybe not. And that's the point of the show is we have to sometimes, you know, the scientific endeavor is all about making mistakes. You don't get everything right on the first try. Yeah. So sometimes we make mistakes on the show and we like to say when we make a mistake. And we're surrounded. I mean, if you think about it, you're surrounded by people who look at the data and make strong statements. And in general, you have to decide who you're going to trust. Right. um, Unless you're going to go out and look at the data yourself. So what Dark and I do is we go out and we look at the data and we make um, statements and hypotheses based on the data. So last week, um, or two weeks ago, actually, it was two weeks ago. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we started making this chart um, talking about the difference between vaccination and non-vaccination. So if I get, it's on the screen now. Oh. If I get the SARS vaccination, the SARS-CoV-2, one of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations, um, how will my experience be different than if I don't get one of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations. And I started out the chart with a question. At the moment of shot of getting the shot or getting infected with COVID naturally, will I shed viral particles? And I answered yes in both of those columns based on my understanding of vaccine science up to this point. We had a couple of different people who came along and said, um, no, you don't shed from the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. You might get sick with covid after having gotten the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, and then you're still shedding on your neighbors, which is why it's not ethical to mandate these vaccines. It's true. Um, but you do not shed viral particles from the vaccines. And I was like, okay. And I went and I looked at a bunch of different sources. I used an incognito browser so that I wouldn't... Um, Have the stuff skewed to so, you. Exactly. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Because we talk about narratives that don't match the mainstream coronavirus narrative on our show, I get a lot of Republican ads on Twitter and YouTube. I get like really conservative news stories and they just assume because I'm not like, yeah, we get both. We yeah. get like extreme leftist yeah. and extreme right. Yeah. Um, so I want AI is really confused by our search history. <laughs> I wanted to go somewhere where I wouldn't have a search history. So I read um, the CDC.gov. I started where everybody else starts interim public health recommendations for fully vaccinated people. They do recommend, they did sort of change their story really fast and recommend that even people who are fully vaccinated need to get, need to wear a, a mask. 
you know, you should still probably wear a mask. And it turns out that that's because even when you're fully vaccinated, you can still catch and transmit SARS-CoV-2 to people around you. So you shouldn't think that just because you're fully vaccinated that you can go hang out with a friend who's immunocompromised without a mask on. Right. That's important. Um, and then I read an article from CHOP, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, okay. um, which uses a lot of catchphrases from the CDC, like um, whisper down the lane game. The whisper oh, down the lane game is right. a catchphrase in mainstream leftist media and the CDC for um, just explaining away what they think of as misinformation. Someone might have a position and they're like, well, I can see why you would have that position, but that's actually just like a garbled version of the real story. Uh. Um, because people are just spreading information around willy-nilly. So, but, but this article basically explained the difference between various types of vaccines and that this type of vaccine, because of how it was built... We, and we knew this part. Yeah, the, yeah, that it's an mRNA vaccine, and it's built... It, was, it, it, it had a function added to it, which we're going to get to later. This, um, this, it, this virus had a function added to it later where the, the proteins cause the virus to bond to human cells, whereas before they were only, it was only a bat coronavirus. Right. Um, and so the vaccine matches that, where the vaccine has a spike protein that causes the vaccine DNA or whatever it is, the mRNA, to yeah. bond to a human cell so that your cell learns how to fight off SARS-CoV-2. Um, and so it, it's not any kind of live viral vaccine, at least as far as the sources that I've looked into. These are not the only two I looked at, but I Googled several right. different ways over the course of the week. And it does seem as though at the moment of getting the SARS-CoV-2 shot, you do not shed viral particles. That's the thing that I have a question. And if you're watching the show and you would like to be a part of the conversation during the show or after, most people, it seems, are starting to choose to be a part of the conversation after the show. Uh, either is good, but... Uh, what we have learned is that people who are getting the shot, getting these uh, vac- these modern vaccinations that are for COVID, mm-hmm. some people are having adverse reactions and going to the hospital. And I'm unclear if those adverse reactions are testing as COVID because you're not getting any of the covid in you with the shot like a traditional vaccine like a tra- like a chicken pox vaccine you're being given a teeny tiny bit of chicken pox so you would have some chicken pox or in a you, teeny right? tiny bit of polio so this vaccine is not giving is it doesn't have a small part of the virus mm-hmm. being put inside you so i don't know so you probably wouldn't be shedding the virus mm-hmm. but some people are having reactions where to they're the getting vaccine, sick from and the then they're going into the hospital mm-hmm. and i'm curious how so what that do we is call being that that's a vaccine injury it ought to be being called a vaccine injury um common uh, understood scientific and medical protocol before this current pandemic was that within two weeks after your vaccination whatever might happen to you in those two weeks is looked at seriously as a vaccine injury um now with this pandemic the cdc is saying that uh, things that happen in the two weeks after your vaccination are not vaccine injury. It's just you're still va- aw shucks, you got the vaccine, but then you really got COVID really fast now, wait a minute, wait before a minute. you were fully vaccinated against it. Is that true? Yes. Now wait, here's, I, no, hold on, hold on, you. hold on. I want to okay. be, I want to be really clear on this. Okay. So if you get both shots, yes, you are not considered vaccinated until ten days to two weeks. I think it's standard two weeks 
after the second shot before you're considered vaccinated. That is, you can Google that. It comes up the first thing. Like, can with, you say that sentence one more time? Yes. When you get the second shot of your two-shot vaccine, yeah. you are not considered vaccinated for two weeks after your second shot. Yes. So if you've had any adverse reactions in after the first shot or the second shot, those are not COVID-related. No, 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 no. Let me tell you. Tell me. Because I'm, really I'm looking at the CDC um, annex posted in just recently in October here, an annex. In general, people are considered fully vaccinated two weeks after their second dose in right. a two-dose series or two weeks after a single dose, such as the Johnson & Johnson. Um, so the story is, and it's in lots more words in <laughs> yeah. this page, yeah. uh, the story is that if you feel sick within two weeks after your vaccination, what happened was that, unfortunately, you caught SARS-CoV-2 from your environment before your body was fully capable of fighting it off. That's the mainstream story, that all of these people that were posting on my Facebook feed that they got sick after their vaccination just happened to, unfortunately, catch COVID from someone in their environment right after they got the shot and before the shot had fully equipped their immune system to be able to fight off the vaccine, the virus. Okay. It feels like we're talking about two different things. If you guys like this sort of conversation, please take a minute and like it on YouTube, follow us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook and share this video with a couple of people. So people are going into the hospital. Yes. After they've had their second shot. Yes. And then... They are considered unvaccinated when they go to the hospital. Yes. Now, why are they going to the hospital? This is the data that I'm not seeing really broken down well in the U.S. In other countries, better, but not in the U.S. So why, if you have had an adverse reaction to one of these shots and you go to the hospital, you are considered unvaccinated if it is within two weeks of the second shot. But is it considered a COVID case or is that considered a vaccine injury? That's considered a COVID case. Even if you don't have COVID and you're reacting to the... Well, but see, what we don't... This is the thing. This is what we don't is know. There's a story. There's a story that's being told about what's going on. But we don't have access in the U.S. to the data to back the story up. We could see how many people who went into the hospital sick after their COVID shots were tested for COVID and had COVID. And how many of them just went into the hospital sick after their COVID shots and should have been marked as a vaccine injury. And or are these people going into the hospital having contracted COVID from their COVID shots? Now, well, lots of that's vaccines the thing is do that. You, you can't get COVID from a COVID shot if the COVID shot doesn't have COVID in it. That's <laughs> the story, right? How can you get COVID from a shot that doesn't have COVID in it? Now, I haven't looked up those terms. That's the thing. that That's what we were talking about last week or whatever I it was. I haven't specifically looked up... Can I get can I get sick with COVID from my COVID vaccine? Well, that's because we that's say, slightly they, separate. If you could get sick with COVID from the vaccine, then you could be shedding after you've been vaccinated. Absolutely, but it doesn't mean because you've been vaccinated that you're shedding. That you're shedding. Yeah. Let's just be clear with that. Yes. Okay. So you should not. That's a correction from last week's show. Yeah. We said if you get the shot, then you are shedding viral particles, but we don't know that part i don't know how that would make sense if the 
vaccine doesn't the have vaccine, the virus. It's not like a chickenpox or a polio vaccine where you actually are given a tiny version of the illness. It's not like those. Uh, the, the main point of the show last week was um, can people who have been vaccinated get COVID and share COVID with their friends and family or strangers on the street? Right. And yes, that is the case. Even though you've been vaccinated, you can still carry it. You can still spread it. Now, we said that because the CDC said, and I think there must have been 160 billion articles, not to be hyperbolic, (laughs) at the beginning of the rollout of the vaccine, saying that the vaccines were 90% effective, 98% effective, 100% effective. And as the months went on, that effectiveness dropped. So the the CDC said, according to their data, if you get the vaccine... You won't get sick and you won't spread. We know that's not the case now because people got sick and spread it after they had the vaccine. So we know that. We know that. And we're not calling the CDC a liar on that thing. We're just saying that's what their data said. They said their data said. Yeah. And then the real world thing said something different. That's science. So some people are working under the understanding that if we get vaccinated, then we get to be in society and we should be able to get a vax card and hang out with other vaxxed people so that we don't get sick. But that's not the case. And so it makes the idea of a vaccine passport moot and and unethical. (laughs) I thought we weren't going to talk about that. And here we are talking about it. Anyway, we wanted to correct the record from last week. It's almost like it's the most important thing to be talking about right now. We said something that was uh, we were challenged on and it turns out, we cannot back up that thing. We can't back it up. So we but, don't, and, and I don't know. I don't yeah. know because I, and we're looking for people to inform us. This is why we're doing this show. We're trying to figure out for ourselves what's going on. And we're taking you on our journey of trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Now, didn't you say that Israel was keeping track of how long it had been since people were vaccinated when they showed up to the hospital sick? Yes. Like in the U.S., if you yes, show up they sick, were calling it partially vaxxed. Partially. See, yeah. we should be keeping that data. Are, have you, so that we could actually go into the numbers and be like. And that means hmm. they had one shot or they had two shots but still within the two-week window. Right. So we, anyway, that's, that's what we were talking about last week. We wanted to uh, correct the record on that. As we know more, we'll share more. If you know more than us, please share it with us so we can become better, smarter folk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some house cleaning from last week. I'm really excited. Uh, we had a business meeting last week, and we started talking about what we wanted to do with season two. And, and because of so much, uh, we spent a lot of time. We're no longer doing two shows a week. We're doing one show a week. We're just yeah. doing the Sunday show. Because we spent um, most of last week responding to people who had problems or who had um, input on our show. I'll just say that. They had input on our show and some of the things that we said. Um, We're always, uh, we're excited. I'm excited to be challenged about the things that have been presented because I might be able to, if somebody says what I said was wrong and it turns out that I'm right, that person might get a better perspective of the story. If they say that I'm wrong and I'm wrong and I understand my my wrongness, then I get to grow as a person. And that's the point. I'm not afraid of being wrong. I'm afraid of knowing the wrong thing, knowing the wrong thing. (laughs) I I want to know the truth. I want to know what's going on. So we have a question from the audience. Yeah. Uh, Shana asks, do you think that people that have been vaccinated 
should be treated at a hospital before someone who is not vaccinated. I'm not sure what the ethics of that would be. Um, it seems problematic to me because both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated are getting sick and going to the hospital. And both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated are can, spreading to other people. Can spread COVID to other people. Um, I feel as though if now there are a couple of countries that were doing that for a while. There are countries that France, are doing that. Was that France? Lithuania is doing it. Uh, France you, was doing it. You just don't it. get medical treatment if yeah, you're not you can't vaccinated. go to the hospital if you don't have your Vax card, which is against the Hippocratic Oath. One. Yeah. It's unethical. Two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also um, it's a problematic stance because what is being left out of this equation of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated is the people who have acquired natural immunity is being left out of the dialogue right. of the mainstream dialogue. It should be a three-piece pie. <laughs> the, the mistake that we made last week was in the discussion where we were saying that it is showing more and more data is coming out conclusively proving that people who got sick with COVID and recovered have a better and more and a longer-lasting immunity than the people who got the vaccine. That is the reality that we're living in. People who have, re- like, we got COVID, we recovered from COVID. And so the data says that our chances of having a better and longer lasting immunity. immunity is better than somebody who got vaccinated. So we should be celebrated as people who went through the battle, came out the other side, and now are acting as a part of herd immunity. Yeah. We are now an active part of herd immunity. The problem with the story is that you're not doing herd immunity unless you got vaccinated. And that's a lie. That's not just a misunderstanding. That is a lie, which we talked about on last week's show, where the WHO basically lies, not basically, clearly lies by saying herd immunity only comes from vaccination. That's not true. It's not backed by any science or data. Yeah. So should you get treated at the hospital like I got? So... Also, the chances of getting COVID again after having had it and recovered is something like 0.03%. I think there are people who, and I would like to look at the data between the people who get vaccinated and get sick and then get sick again, and the people who had natural immunity who get sick and get sick again. That's some data out there somewhere that I don't have in front of me right now. I'm trying to make a pie chart right now, and every time I type the word unvaccinated, Google is like, "Um, that's not a real word. They put the little jiggity lines under it. Well, that would be people and then people who had a vaccine. But I I, I like the idea. I like the idea of that not being a word, frankly. (laughs) Uh, Right. So, yeah, I don't think you should be discriminating on whether or not you're vaccinated or unvaccinated because some of the, quote, unvaccinated people are people who got the vaccine and they may get sick within the two week period where they're not considered uh, vaccinated. And other people who may um, be going to the hospital because they're sick may have already had COVID and have better immunity than the vaccinated. So that's a problem to start discriminating uh, on whether or not this is this is the otherization of people, and I think it's based on a premise that the vaccinated cannot spread, and that premise needs yeah. to really be put to bed. What it sounds like to me with this question, and I understand where it's coming from, if all you've heard um, is the story that you're safer if you're vaccinated and you're safer for the people around you if you're vaccinated. I can understand. But the hospital, our healthcare system shouldn't operate like... Um, like parents dishing out gold stars on a chart for good behavior. Right. The 
our medical We're talking about compliance. This yeah, is just about compliance. Like, I mean, I'm reminded of all of the times that all of the brave stories that we've heard about wartime nurses and doctors who treat anybody that comes into the tent, regardless of what side they're on. Like in yes. a war, like yes. this person even, even, just yes. shot one of your soldiers, but you're going to treat them yes. because you're a goddamn doctor. Although you might put them at the back of the line in front of your own soldiers. You might do that. Although the doctor shouldn't be doing that, but eh, that's war is hell. Yeah. So I, so, I mean, I guess what Shane is asking is, do you think that people who have complied with getting this vaccine should be treated before people who have not complied with getting this vaccine? And I mean, my personal ethics is no, people in hospitals should be treated based on the severity of whatever is going on with them. Right. Not based on money or how poor they are or whether they've gotten one of these vaccines or whether they have herpes. Right. Like there's a, there's a lot of data sets that I don't have in front of me, so I'm not going to yeah. make claims without being able to, to prove the data. But um, we, to step back for a second, unless you have anything else you want to wrap up on this particular topic. On that topic, no, but um, I wanted to bring up I, Kevin's I can go comment. On on. Yeah, bring up Kevin's comment. So Kevin says, exposure through contact and exposure through vaccination is something that people do not seem to understand. Both are a type of exposure. I would love it if you wanted to elaborate more on that. Yeah, elaborate more because, well, it's true from a traditional vaccine, Yeah, but this vaccine is not exposure because it doesn't have SARS-CoV-2 in the vaccine. Well, it doesn't have a live version. We haven't gotten even to the vaccines. That's like way far down the timeline of research that we're going to have to do. We're doing a timeline of research. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about is because there's a lot of... um, what I find in our discussions when mm-hmm. we're talking to people online uh, during the show and after the show is that there is this murder map of issues, topics, understandings, misunderstandings, propaganda, new science, old science that keeps getting – it just spools out every time we start talking about one part of the story. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was do uh, like in the old crime movies or the TV series where they have the murder board. Yeah. They put up uh, the the red strings between the pens of the guy that did the thing and the person he met in the parking lot (laughs) and the the photos through the chain link fence Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I thought we should do one of this whole narrative because uh, Ainsley pointed out several weeks ago, and, and once she pointed it out, once she brought up this idea, I'm just seeing it all the time, is that we're living in alternate realities from each other. So true. So we're all feeling truthful in our perspective, but we may not be based in an actual truth. In what is true. Right. So there are different narratives yeah. of the story. One narrative is there there, are, there isn't a SARS-CoV-2. Yeah. One narrative is it's just the flu that they've ginned up the numbers. That's a reality for somebody. That a lot of people yeah. live in that reality. Now, and I'm and you I don't live in that reality. I don't live in that reality. Just to be clear. But I but, but I, I'm open to hearing evidence to be presented for that story because I'm open to information. But I also want to see it grounded in facts. Right. So I'm sorry, where were you going with that? So the idea of the virtual realities that we live in these different realities to create a murder map so we can um, be clear about what our perspective is on the entire narrative of the pandemic. Yes, we had. um, Is it real or not real? Where did it come from? So on. We had a guy challenge us um, on Facebook a lot 
a couple weeks ago, and he was just like, no, but what do you believe? No, but what do you believe? No, but what's your story? No, but what's your story? And he really just needed to hear us verbalize what our position was, I think, so that he could respond to our position. Um, And in this case, we were talking about some data, and he didn't want to talk about the data. He wanted to, you know, anyway, so... Tell uh, me what you think about the virus. What is your belief? It's not that simple. Yeah. It's not just about the virus. It's also about the lockdowns. It's also about the vaccines. It's also about... Kids wearing masks in schools, is that based in science? It's also about um, businesses being closed and banks buying up all the real estate. There's a, there's a, there's, this is a massive shift in the story of humans on a planet. And this is where the concept of mass formation comes in. And you might enjoy looking up mass formation or it's more defense inducing uh, sibling title mass psychosis which is where mob psychology mob mentality crowd which is where um when people are in an an, a heightened anxious and isolated state with a lack of meaning they can be roped into a new reality where they know who the bad guy is so there's a reason to be anxious they have some rituals to perform so that they know how to identify people that are on their team in the wild so they don't feel alone anymore and they know uh, a common goal to fight towards so that they have a sense of meaning in their lives now and so uh, it can be observed happening in this particular time period that we're in that a mass formation has occurred and some people have come by that naturally based on data that they looked at and some people just got swept into it um, because of free-floating anxiety, free-floating aggression, lack of meaning, and a sense of social isolation that we've all been experiencing so much over the last several years. Or, well, many of us have been experiencing. Not everybody experiences those things. But many people who have been experiencing those things um, got swept into knowing who the hero is, Anthony Fauci, knowing who the bad guy is, COVID and anybody that doesn't follow the story, and having rituals to perform in order to self-identify and identify in the wild people of your tribe so that you don't feel alone and you don't have a sense of socialization. So we have masks and um, vaccination status online. Uh, I don't know when was the last time you told somebody what the results of your recent STD test were on Facebook, (laughs) but now we all tell people that we've gotten this COVID vaccine and it's normal and it's a signal to your tribe that you are not alone. And that you know, you know when you uh, scroll past people. whether you've been vaccinated or not, it is a it's, yeah. a, it's a virtue signal. Exactly. So and um, it's political. So another thing that this mass formation has done this time is it has completely put blinders on our well-meaning and well-intentioned and intelligent friends and loved ones about any other deaths besides COVID deaths. And Dark and I look at a bigger picture than that. We're not just talking about only COVID deaths. It's a big story. And that's why we wanted to do the murder board. So Ainsley has been playing around with some stick it notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital sticky notes digital so that I can share notes. them with you guys. And we started, it's, it's questions that we started with. We realized we have to ask questions before we can start those questions. And mm-hmm. so we got down to the, our starting point. So what we're going to do for, to- this, for this episode, and we want to put together a series. We'll take this clip out. We're going to talk about this stage, and we're going to have this be a standalone video, and we're going to have a series of the Sevier narrative of the pandemic. And that's all the things that we've looked at over the last 20 months, 
With sources. With sources and the things that we're pulling out as what we feel like are the likely threads that we weave our narrative together with. It's a hypothesis. Yeah. And now any good hypothesis and any good scientist is always willing to have their hypothesis proven wrong. And we are constantly looking to have our hypothesis proven wrong because I would rather know what is the truth than feel safe slash feel like I'm right. So this is the early stage of this, but what we want to crowdsource this narrative. Like we want to show you our sources and why we came to what we came. And if you want to share other information with us that you think might help us have a better, uh, more grounded, holistic perspective of the story, please share it with us now or in the future. Um, the questions. So post-orthodoxy is doing the so SARS-CoV-2 reality bubble. This is our reality bubble. We're, no. What? <laughs> what is it? So we have two maps. Okay. We have one map where we're going to be workshopping with you guys a bunch of questions um, and the different reality bubbles that people live in so that you can become aware of the realities that are around you with your neighbors in your neighborhoods, all the different things that people think are going on because every different person that you interact with has a different story in their head of what they think is going on. Mm. And then we are also going to be creating our own SARS-CoV-2 pandemic narrative hypothesis. Yes. A timeline, a work in progress. So the question... And then our hypothesis, our, hi- our answer to that question, what we think is the most likely story. Um, and we thought yesterday, so we have, we have two things, two maps going on here, the murder board, and then over on the side, our probable hypothesis of what is going on. Okay. Can you zoom out and show everybody what it looks like so far? Because this is going to grow exponentially. So we thought that these questions... Um, how we thought this was the first question how or when did sars cov 2 start spreading right and then i realized as a person that used to belong to a fundamentalist conservative christian religion that that the how is not actually the first question that i was assuming much like i did when i was christian i was assuming that god exists and i was only really answering or asking questions after the point of assumption that god exists there are people out there that do not assume that god exists or they assume that there are lots of gods or they assume that there are aliens. And so I had to take a step back before what I thought was step one. Um, so we have a lot of different reality bubbles of what could potentially be how or when did SARS-CoV-2 start spreading. These are things that people think. I'll just read a few of those, and then we'll move that out of the way and move in the yeah. actual first question. Yeah. We'll be covering this down the road. Yeah. So um, maybe SARS-CoV-2... Um, got out, was released intentionally from a lab in China in December 2019. That's one story. That's something some people believe. Maybe SARS-CoV-2 spread naturally from a bat in China December 2019. At the wet market, yes. Yeah. Maybe SARS-CoV-2 was accidentally spread um, or intentionally released from another place that was studying these coronavirus gain-of-functions in Fort Detrick in the USA. Right, right. Maybe it accidentally got out at the worldwide military games in China in October 2019, or maybe it was intentionally brought there by a U.S. team that had been previously infected with this in order to spread it to all of the world's governments via their militaries. These are theories. These are theories and belief systems that some people have. You can have a theory and have it not be a belief system. A lot of people just go straight. They just, they just make a theory and, call, and, and, and believe it. Like, we can theorize without believing things. Right. I'm not afraid to say something that sounds scary or controversial because over time, uh, data 
brings things to the surface and sinks other things. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to evolve my idea of the story. What are the reality bubble? The badger story? Uh, yeah, so there's also an even further backstory, which is, um, and we're going to get to this this data uh, that it's it seems very likely that the virus that originally the SARS-CoV-2 has been built off of, um, and this is kind of spoilery, I guess, but it seems very likely that that virus, that coronavirus, was discovered in a cave in China in 2013 and then has been being studied and experimented on at a wide variety of global labs in the UK, in the US, in yeah, China. This is going all the way back to 2012. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there is a theory that PETA broke into a lab where the UK was studying the effects of coronavirus on badgers. It wasn't coronavirus. Badgers. It wasn't. It was bovine tuberculosis. It was bovine TB. And so the Department of Defense, for some reason, the U.S. Department of Defense was involved in studying bovine, bovine TB, TB in the UK. virus in the U.K. Okay. And for some reason, they were studying it on badgers. And um, a, this is the story. Now, I, I got to preface this story and tell you where this story came from because context is everything. The last show that we did on KBMF. So we didn't know it was our last show. That was before we were censored, uh, gag-ordered, and banned. But the last show we did, a mysterious um, Japanese man showed up at our studio after we came out of the studio with his resume. He used to be the editor of the Japan Times, and he'd been in Asia for 30 years. Anyway, he heard our show, came, and then I went out drinking whiskey with him. And he told me that this whole story of the coronavirus had to do with uh, badgers in England. And uh, it made me, you know, being a guy who's been involved in conspiracy analysis and conspiracy theories for 30 years, I had two thoughts. One, this guy has the deep story that nobody has. Mm -hmm. Or he heard us doing plausible stories and is a psyops sent to give us bad information to discredit us when we talk about this information on the air next week. <laughs> because if we if we combine this data with this data, people will just automatically think we're kooks. So this is if for those of you that are not steeped in conspiracy theory and conspiracy analyst, this is what happens. This is what has happened um, in my observations since the 1990s, since I've been getting involved in this, these kind of things. A story comes out. Let's say it's a UFO story. Or it's a CIA story. A story comes out, and it's good information grounded in reality. Some photos, maybe. Uh, maybe it's uh, that the CIA is bringing in cocaine to South Central Los Angeles to raise money for Nicaraguan rebels or something. Let's just say that story comes in. Okay. Some guy makes the story. So what happens is then you um, the, the misinformation, disinformation, psyops folks take that story and then add shit to it. So rather than trying to suppress the story that is out, you continue to propagate the story you don't want out with aliens buttered over it or um, something that is distasteful to general people. They're like, oh, well, we're never going to read that story. So you right. take a good story that comes out and then you associate it with something that self-respecting folk are not going to entertain that story. And that's how you hide the truth in plain sight. You cover it with bullshit. Right? Yeah. So, Camouflage. So I was like, okay, this guy uh, knows a lot about conspiracy theories. We sat and talked conspiracy theories over whiskey for like four hours. Very knowledgeable. But I felt like uh, I read some of his writing and I felt like this guy could be psyops because he has a lot of good information. And then there's a lot of 
other information that I feel like makes me not want to take his good information because he starts talking about reptiles or something. And I don't know if, if Biden is a reptile. I don't know if Hillary Clinton's a reptile or in, if like, in human flesh. I have no idea. Yeah. Or even something even less scary than reptiles, like maybe Obama wasn't born in the U.S. I'm inclined to not care at this point because we have other things on our plate than to figure out if they're actually aliens. There's other things that need to be dealt with first because I don't know if we're going to come to a resolve on the alien uh, reptile, uh, reptiles taking over the planet. I don't know if we're going to have that. Uh, leak coming anytime soon. So I'm going to deal with things that are more apparent and that is not going to alienate an audience. So we are going to talk about the first two questions that you came up with to start our narrative. What were the first two questions? So we thought the first question was going to be um, how slash when did SARS-CoV-2 start spreading? And then we realized that that was that was um, already based on an assumption, which is not good science. Right. Um, and the assumption was that SARS-CoV-2 exists, is a unique microbe on the planet. That Because there are people that believe that SARS-CoV-2, um, the story of SARS-CoV-2 was just inflating and drawing attention to common cold and flu virus deaths that were already happening. There are people out there that feel as though the entire pandemic thing was just the media's power causing people to be aware of deaths that they are not normally aware of, which is happening because you know the count on how many coronavirus deaths have happened, but you don't know the count on how many suicide deaths have happened, and you don't know the count on how many lung cancer deaths have happened. Or you, childhood poverty deaths. Yeah. Um, or uh, starvation Domestic deaths. abuse deaths. You don't know those numbers. But you do know the COVID case and death numbers, and it's readily accessible to you much faster than any other data about your community is. I can only find suicide deaths from Montana um, back from 2018, 2019. It's very difficult to put your hands on current suicide deaths unless the media reports it. And so there are people that believe that there are many people on the planet who believe that SARS-CoV-2 itself does not actually exist as a unique microbe, but that in fact the whole story has been made up and inflated for some ulterior purpose. So that's a story. That's one of the beliefs. I'll put that on a post-it note. Okay. So So what's another reality bubble? Uh, of Well, there's the badger story. That it does it exist? Wait, what? The question is, does it exist? Does SARS-CoV-2 exist as a unique microbe on the planet? Right. I have heard a number of stories. What I've chosen to focus on because mm-hmm. this seems to have the most grounding of anything else that I've found mm-hmm. is research by an organization called Drastic. Uh, Drastic uh, is an acronym that stands for Drastic Radical Autonomous. Search team investigating COVID-19. If you want to know more about Drastic, you can go to Twitter and put in hashtag Drastic. So they started using this acronym to crowdsource research on the origins of SARS-CoV-2. So I went down the rabbit hole and... uh, Maybe, Ainsley, you can share the video of where I found out about Drastic. It's from the Peak Prosperity guy, Chris, Dr. Chris Martinson. He had a nice breakdown of uh, the leak that happened 
the whistleblower brought out some information at the end of September that basically said uh, uh, EcoHealth Alliance was trying to get a grant from DARPA, which is the, the sort of high-end science arm of military um, intelligence. They were trying to get a grant from DARPA to do, ostensibly, gain-of-function research. DARPA said, no way, buddy. That sounds too dangerous, and in your proposal, you have not addressed any of the ethics of this or the safety of this, so no, we're not going to do it. Can you um, can you what? explain what gain-of-function is for people that might not know? Uh, we're going to get into the... Okay, gain-of-function is basically where you take a virus. Let's say there's a bat virus. Uh, the bat virus is in the environment, and this is what EcoHealth Alliance was proposing to do for DARPA, is that we may have soldiers in an area where there's bats that have viruses. And even though those bat viruses may not be transmissible to humans, we would like to take those viruses, uh, find uh, the furin cleavage site, which is a... F-U-R-I-N. You can look that up, to insert uh, a function so that that virus can now infect humans so that they can study the virus to make sure that it doesn't infect humans to make sure it doesn't infect humans as a matter of fact uh, on that sheet you can you can share that flyer if you want it's the this is a uh, an image a card image from from the, the proposal Eco, from the eco health alliance to be a part of the diffuse program for darpa um and it shows a bunch of bats and some soldiers. And diffusing the threat of bat-borne coronaviruses. Right. So total, that was the proposal. Total funds requested $14 million. So they wanted to make a bat virus that did not infect humans uh, able to infect humans. So that they could figure out how to, to study it to keep it from infecting humans. It, I don't, I'm not sure how the whole, the logic of all that, and I guess there's some logic there somewhere. Uh... Preparing for the worst. Gain-of-function research was made illegal in 2014. And then they sort of fudged it and opened it up again in 2017. So gain-of-function research is when scientists figure out how to add a function to a pathogen or some other microbe. Just like the name sounds like. Yeah. So scientists cause this thing to have an ability it did not have before. So in September, some papers, uh, this proposal was uh, w- was leaked where it shows that EcoHealth Alliance wanted to do this research on bat viruses to make them infect humans so they could study them. DARPA said no way. But then that proposal somehow went through the uh, uh, NIH, Fauci's organization. And they said, yeah, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that research. But they didn't specify gain of function. Or did they? This is what they didn't ever use the term gain of function. I'll read the I'll read the quote from this is from Eco Health Alliance. This is from their um, proposal to DARPA. Uh, let's read what they said. Our goal is to analyze, predict, then, quote, diffuse the spillover potential 
of novel bat origin, high-risk SARS-CoVs in Southeast Asia. Okay. This is this guy, uh, Dazak. You can find him on Twitter, Dazak's Proposal. Uh, this will safeguard the U.S. warfighter. Okay, warfighter. <laughs> the, in Southeast Asia. You know, we're over there fighting wars in Southeast Asia all the time. Uh, the proposal called for inserting spike proteins that could bind to human cells into SARS-CoV backbones and said, we will introduce appropriate human-specific cleavage sites and evaluate growth potential in vero cells and human airway um, epithelial cell cultures. So, so in common terms, what they... Gain of function. In common terms, what they did is they took a virus that was not transmissible to humans and they added the ability for it to be transmissible to humans and then tested it on um, human cells in a dish to show that now this virus can be caught by human. In scientific terms, that's called a... Gain of function. A chimera. <laughs> after yeah. the mythological creature, which is made up of several different things. So they take a virus that doesn't infect humans... And they use that as the body, the backbone, as they say. They take a virus that does infect humans, and they take that part out and put it on the backbone of the one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that was their proposal. And I think it's very interesting at this point to note. Now we we veer out from proven data to hypothetical stories back into proven data. So let us know if you're if we left you behind somewhere because it's a lot. Um, and I don't mean that in a condescending kind of way. It's a lot. Um, uh, it's very interesting to note here that the Japanese gentleman that came and um, told us about the Badgers in England mm. also mentioned at the time that he has not been able to find a single case of someone contracting SARS-CoV-2 who had had the tuberculosis vaccine. Right. It was his theory that they had somehow had part of the TB thing involved in the COVID thing. Um, and that therefore... And that if you had that mark, that you TB were already scar, vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2. Right. That was his story. Just, more effectively, but I don't know anything. I don't. I haven't, haven't looked into up. that. Maybe people who get uh, who got the TB scar do get COVID. I haven't seen any data of whether they do or not. This is just a claim by a strange mm-hmm. Japanese man outside our studio. So can we bring it? Can we bring it back down? Because yes. this is the first time that we've done this series. Yes. It's going to be an ongoing series, and it feels a little clunky to me right now. I don't yeah. know if it feels clunky to you guys or it feels clunky to well, you. We're trying to build the map, and it's a lot. Right, it's a lot. I just I I feel as though there's got to be a way for us to simplify. Right. And and keep it to the bullet points, and or keep going back to okay. the bullet points. Let's go back to the original question: Does SARS uh, Cove two exist. Is SARS Cove two? Does it exist? Does it exist? So, this is why I brought up drastic hashtag drastic. Uh, drastic is the drastic radical autonomous search team investigated COVID nineteen. We will send you a link. You can look them up. Um, it's interesting because they're the ones who came up with the gain of function. There's a video. We have a link to a video as well uh, that the drastic folks put together in May of 2020 talking about gain of function it was a maybe a year later before the media actually started talking about the gain of function issue but these folks had already put together the story and made a video an hour-long video about it in may of 2020 Mm -hmm. the drastic group is uh it's a group of people and i'm going to read from wikipedia which has bias which we're finding more and more but i'm going to read what wikipedia says about drastic and i'm bringing up drastic because does the virus exist Drastic is a group that, from the beginning, has been working to find the origins of the virus. Yeah. 
and they've got the best story I've seen anywhere, backed up by tons of data. Yeah. So what Wikipedia says drastic is, is a loose collection of internet activists <laughs> investigating the origins of COVID-19, in particular, the lab leak theory. Right. Drastic is composed of about 30 core members whose activity is primarily organized through the social media website Twitter. They formed in February 2020 at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, that's when it was called a pandemic. Right. We'll get, that, we'll get to that later. Drastic members have we, called... Well, but we all know that it didn't start... Like, even the mainstream story is that pandemic. it started yeah. in December. Um, drastic is... Um, Drastic members have called for, quote, a full and unrestricted investigation, unquote, into the origins of COVID-19 conducted independently of the World Health Organization. Most scientists think that COVID-19 likely had a natural origin, and some have considered, now this is where we get, this is where it gets fishy. This is Wikipedia saying, most scientists think, there's no data on that. (laughs) <laughs> and tell me what kind of scientist you're talking about. Is there about. a little tiny number next to no, that claim? No, 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 no claim. Okay. Well, th- there is. There actually are some claims at the end, but I would have to go into that. Most scientists think that COVID-19 likely had a natural origin, and some have considered that a potential lab leak is worth investigating. So that's them downplaying the idea of the lab leak, mm-hmm. which is gaining more and more traction. You should read uh, the latest article in Vanity Fair. Um, many drastic members use pseudonyms. While identified members have backgrounds including mycology, Hmm. neuroscience, and data science. Hmm. Members of Drastic have engaged in personal attacks against virologists and epidemiologists on Twitter, falsely accusing some of working for the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, so that's Wikipedia's idea of who uh, who Drastic is? Confronting you with whether or not you work for the Chinese Communist Party is not a personal attack. That's asking you whether or not you work for the Chinese Communist Party. There are. And and actually, there's the World uh, EcoHealth Alliance. The people who wanted to do the gain of function were working with the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, it's on that flyer that I showed. Yeah. So uh, by May of 2020, and this is a quote from the YouTube page by Drastic. Uh, By May of 2020... Twitter drastic, hashtag drastic investigation team put together a hypothesis for the origins of COVID-19. At the time, they were labeled conspiracy theorists, and now it's mainstream. Many have forgotten it was drastic that put it all together long before any of the mainstream media. So they did the job that our news organizations are supposed to do, ragtag team. Of scientists and of doctors. Of scientists and doctors. But they weren't real journalists. They put together the story of where the thing came from, and it's pretty convincing, and it's only getting stronger and stronger daily. I recommend going to their website. Um, you can find it, uh, Drastic Research. So it's Drasticresearch.org. Right, and there's a page called Where to Start, and that's where they have amazing links on the breakdown of how the virus, now called SARS-CoV-2, uh, has uh, several other names. Uh, R-A-T-G-13. If you look up R-A-T-G-13, uh, Wikipedia is still saying that it's a bat coronavirus. Uh, Which it was. It was. The drastic team has uh, traced that back to the the copper mine in China where they originally found the virus. Yep. It used to be called something else, but now it's called... They've retroactively gone back and changed... Because of the work of Drastic, 
They've done the paper trail and figured out that RATG13, which is being used in, in this research, for the SARS-CoV-2 research, this uh, coronavirus came from a cave, but it was called something else up until November of last year when it started being retroactively named, uh, being connected to the virus that was being studied from 2012. Um, Twitter user... Uh, Schnoofy666, who had just discovered that Chinese database specialized in bat viruses, the entry of BTCOV4991 had been modified on the 7th of March to include a reference to RATG13. Later on, it was Xi Zingli herself who confirmed the link between those names in an interview to Science published in July. So basically what's happening is we're finding out where the virus actually came from. This is new news. Um, and it was by these people from Drastic that started getting in on these um, comment threads of scientific magazines to put the story together. So we know that uh, RATG13 was sequenced in 2018, not after the COVID out- outbreak. So people are saying, we don't know what this virus is and we got to find it and we got to sequence it. They had it. It was sequenced two years before. Yeah. So that's kind of damning information. So, so, so why, why are we asking these questions? Okay, we're not here to break down your entire reality. We're not here to make you feel unsafe. We're not here to hurt people. We're here to help people. We're trying to help. Um, there's a lot of suffering going on besides just COVID deaths. There are a lot of other deaths and suffering going on besides just COVID deaths. But we are really only just focused these days on COVID deaths to the detriment of people that are being affected by the lockdowns and the vaccine mandates and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and um, for people that like to bring this up, a vaccine mandate is a vaccine passport is not optional. If you need to have one in order to eat and go to school and go to work, that's not an optional vaccine passport. That's not like something you can make a choice about. Um, so we're, we're asking these questions because the people that are giving us advice on what this virus is like, what it's capable of, and how to treat it seem to be the same people that built it and the same people that built the vaccines against it. And the same people who are advising you on how to deal with it. That should be alarming. Well, And it's becoming, yes. it's becoming more and more and more provable that the same people who are advising you on how to treat this illness, as in telling you nothing about preventative health measures like vitamins and exercise. None. Nothing for two years about preventative immune-boosting health measures. Downplaying preventatives that actually are being shown to work. Um, The same people that are advising you on how to take care of yourself and your loved ones are the same people that built the virus... And the same people that built the vaccine for the virus. Well, let's let's qualify those terms. Okay. So the NIH and the what's the other one? N I H D double I C T. I don't know. Fauci's in charge of those organizations. Okay. So those organizations approved this research. So Fauci didn't actually do the work on the virus. Fauci approved this gain of function research. And then, N-I-A-I-D. And then claimed that he did not. Right. That's the problem, and that's why I... That's an issue. Yeah. Th- that's not a source that I can trust. So they created the problem. 
lied about created the pro- creating the problem. That's a problem. And they also created the only mainstream treatment for the problem that is being talked about. That's in Chris Martinson's video as well. As he's ta- he talks about that at the same time as Fauci's organizations approved genetic modifications, or I don't know if it's genetic if viruses aren't alive, the same time that Fauci's organization approved gain-of-function research to make a bat coronavirus transmissible to humans that was not transmissible to humans before, Fauci also got into a deal with Moderna to start researching vaccines for that kind of coronavirus. For that virus. So um, there's an article that came out uh, two days ago, Vanity Fair, not, you know, you've heard of Vanity Fair, right? I'm going to read uh, a paragraph from the Vanity Fair article. It says, on Wednesday, the NIH sent a letter to members of the House Committee on Energy and Commerce that acknowledges two facts. One was that EcoHealth Alliance, a New York City-based nonprofit that partners with far-flung laboratories to research and prevent the outbreak of emerging diseases did indeed enhance a bat coronavirus to become potentially more infectious to humans, which the NIH letter described as unexpected result of the research it funded that was carried out in partnership with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, let's just look at that phrase. Okay. So the NIH said to Congress... They did this, but it was unexpected. Now, let me read from what they were pro- the proposal was to DARPA. <laughs> we didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> they proposed to DARPA. To do DARPA that DARPA rejected. Yeah. <laughs> NIH then approved. And this was the proposal. The proposal called for inserting spike proteins that could bind to human cells into SARS-CoV-2 uh, backbones. We will introduce appropriate human-specific cleavage sites and evaluate growth potential in varro cells and human airway epithelial, uh, epithelial cell cultures. So it sounds like they were specifically looking to research how to make this bat coronavirus a human coronavirus. Yes, and... And then they said... It we're was an so unexpected su- result. We're so surprised that this bat virus became a human coronavirus. The second thing they they said to Congress was that EcoHealth Alliance violated the terms of its grant conditions, Mm. stipulating that it had um, to report if its research increased the viral viral growth of a pathogen by tenfold. Mm. So they said, yeah, Fauci lied, and we just want to clarify that. Okay. (laughs) And that we didn't expect this to happen, which they totally did. Yeah, well, that was what they were specifically That's setting, what they out, were to setting do. out to do. So this should be. This is one of those things that I think is. People say, "Well, what does it matter where it came from?" It doesn't from? matter. It's, it's out already now. out there. Well, it kind of matters if the people advising you on it are responsible for creating it. I like what Chris Martinson it's, said at the end of his yeah. video. He's like, "This didn't have to happen." Mm-mm. What we're learning is the last two years didn't have to happen. We are in parallel universes. In one universe. This thing happened. This thing happened. And we know who did it. We know who took a naturally occurring bat bat coronavirus and turned it into a coronavirus that is transmissible to humans. We know who did that. So if uh, we don't know about how it was released, that's not today's topic. 
We don't know how it was released. We don't know where it was released. And we don't know what those motivations could, might have been, or if it was just a big fat mistake. But the point of today's show is the lab leak theory. Is the virus alive and was it leaked? Or is the virus alive and where did it come from? So, is, so first question on the post-orthodoxy, and it's going to be a nice long, look at this, guys. What? It's going to be a nice long um, timeline of questions. We're just going to go at it all the way through to the present day. Because okay. a lot of people feel like we're just speaking out of our ass when we talk about these things. And like I remember when I was a Christian that when people would be like trying to argue that God didn't exist or trying to argue that Noah's flood wasn't a real global flood or whatever, I'd be like, after a certain point, why do you want God to not be real so badly? Because that's like the only reason you'd be fighting against reality is that you really didn't want God to be real. And I figured if I could get down to like an emotional state with people and get them to admit why they really didn't want God to be real, then we could have a more productive conversation Mm. because they were just like rebelling against reality in a futile argument that went in circles. That was my perspective as a Christian. Now I'm like on the other side of it where I feel as though that's what my well-meaning and well-intentioned liberal friends think, people that believe the mainstream story about SARS-CoV-2 and the pandemic and the vaccines and the vaccine mandates um, are just looking at me and being like, why are you fighting so futilely and pointlessly against the story, against reality? They don't there are people that are in reality bubbles that don't think they're in reality bubbles. They they are believing something on someone else's authority that that they don't actually know to be the truth, but they're truthfully believing it and spreading it. We do have a commenter that said we're dangerous and that we should stay dangerous. I don't think that we are in ourselves dangerous and what we're doing is not dangerous. What we're doing is research, and I know we're not supposed to do that, but we're doing some research to for ourselves to understand what is going on. If our research upsets somebody's illusion and they suffer pain because they thought something was real and something we said reveals that it's not real, then we didn't cause their pain. Their pain was caused by believing something that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. So we are dangerous to perhaps some false ideas. The pain is caused by having a belief challenge. We're dangerous to belief systems that may not be as um, strong as you as thought strong they were, as you thought they were, yeah. or based in reality as you thought they were. But we are not dangerous. We keep being people keep saying that we're dangerous, joking, in support, yeah. and in attack. Yeah. We are not dangerous. We have done nothing dangerous. We have not been reckless. We, we have research behind everything that we show. And we are always inviting people to show us where we are wrong. And in the case of um, our proposal a couple weeks ago where you said you shed virally from the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, so wear a mask and stay home for a few days after your vaccination, I went back and looked at a bunch of different sources, and it seems like you don't shed SARS-CoV-2 from your vaccine. Yeah, because you you don't. It's not in the vaccine. So we're willing to correct when we find out we need to be corrected. Yeah. So that's not dangerous. I do, but see, here's me being able to step into other people's reality bubbles. I see how in my friends' reality bubbles we are dangerous because we're spreading information that might cause people to not want to get vaccinated. How is that dangerous? It would be dangerous if. The only way to end the pandemic and save lives is to get one of those vaccines. 
So if if the only way to end the pandemic and save lives is to get one of those vaccines, then us spreading information that might cause people to not get one of those vaccines is dangerous for public health. That's how they feel. That's, that's, how, that's, that's, that's the not, reality they live that's in. That's the reality they live in, but yeah. it's not based in any kind of science. That's the, that's the irony of the thing is that people have turned science into uh, faith and a scientist into a priesthood that just have to be believed. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that because we're post-Orthodox. So do you feel as though we can put a, an answer in our first question here? With the, with, yes. First question, is SARS-CoV-2 a real unique microbe? And our, hypo- our hypothesis, what do the Sevriers think? Well. Does SARS-CoV-2 exist? That's my way of saying, does it actually exist or is it a media story? SARS-CoV-2 exists. I'll say it does. Yes. Whatever they're calling SARS-CoV-2, we have a history to it now because of the work of the people from Drastic. There, I'll say there is a real novel virus. There is a real novel virus called SARS-CoV-2. How's that? Yeah. What is is? Right. <laughs> and the novel virus, a lot of people thought, oh, it just came out of a bat and we didn't know about it. What we did learn is that they've known about this particular virus since 2012. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When it was not... Transmissible uh, it, to humans. When at it that was point. not transmissible to humans, it was. So that's question number two. Yeah. Is SARS-CoV-2 of natural origin, origin, or chemically synthesized? From everything that I've learned recently, yes. It's not conclusive. We, I, I can't say yes. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like ninety-nine point nine 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 percent, but I can't say yes. Well, can you say yes if you ever don't just see it in a lab yourself? I mean, this is the conversation, the ongoing philosophical conversation we've been having around the nature of to know something. So it's of natural origin, and it has been. It it seems clear that it has been fucked with, and gain of function was used to make it hook into people. Okay, that seems clear. I can't say absolutely yes. Nobody is saying, I haven't seen anybody saying absolutely yes. Right. I, everybody is saying these guys, the, the drastic folk have done the, the tree to show where it came from and the proposal saying that what they wanted to do to it. And now we have this thing, but there's some gray area there where I'm not willing to say, yes, it was actually done, but I would say 99.99%. It seems like. It was engineered from a bat virus to infect humans. Yes, that there was. What's the name of the original virus that was discovered in the cave in China in 2012? Uh, it was. It had a few different names. Um, okay. Well, they found several coronaviruses in that. They found cave. about eight. Yeah. Different coronaviruses that they, it, that they hadn't seen before. Yeah. So the original the original uh, name was um, R uh, was uh, R A. Nine R A four nine nine one, and then they've retroactively gone back and changed that, saying that it used to be called that, but now it is called R A T G thirteen, and that is the virus that was probably the backbone, the bat virus that they then found the furin cleavage site and in and made it attachable Trans- transmissible to, to humans. humans. Yeah, so. Um, RATG13 was just a bat coronavirus. Yeah. SARS-CoV-2 is that virus, which is now a chimera. It's been genetically, right. it's been, I don't know if I got to figure out if genetically modified is the right word. Yeah. It's been modified in a lab by scientists on purpose to make it transmissible to humans. And we don't know who did it. We know that Eco Health Alliance wanted to do it. 
and was messing around with it with the Chinese government at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Mm-hmm. We know that the NIH approved that. Mm-hmm. We know that it research. also involved Chapel Hill and Singapore and Madison, Wisconsin. But we don't, I haven't seen anything yet that says that they, they actually did it and this is it. I want to read but everything um, points to it from this Vanity Fair letter just for the podcast because yeah. we turn all of these into audio podcasts afterwards that people can listen to on a drive for folks that don't want to tune into the live video. On Wednesday, the NIH sent a letter to members of the House Committee on Energy and Commerce that acknowledged two facts. So NIH is Fauci's thing. One was that EcoHealth Alliance, a New York City-based nonprofit that partners with far-flung laboratories... North Carolina, Singapore, China, London, to research and prevent the outbreak of emerging diseases, seems legit, did indeed enhance a bat coronavirus to become potentially more infectious to humans, which the NIH letter describes as an unexpected result of the research it funded that was carried out in partnership with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We've covered that already. So that's the smoking gun then. Yeah. The the second was the EcoHealth Alliance violated Mm. the terms of its grant condition, stipulating that it had to report if its research increased the viral growth of a pathogen by tenfold. The NIH based these disclosures on a research progress report that EcoHealth Alliance sent to the agency in August. An NIH spokesperson told Vanity Fair that Dr. Fauci was entirely truthful in his statement to Congress and that at that time he did not have the progress report that detailed the controversial research when he testified in July. But EcoHealth Alliance appeared to contradict that claim and said in a statement, these datas were reported as soon as we were made aware in our year four report in April 2018, as in the fourth year that they had been doing that gain of function research on the bat coronaviruses. This explains all of the blackout on the Fauci emails. Yeah. Where Fauci was talking to people from Wuhan, was talking to people from the world, um, from the Eco Health Alliance, uh, was talking to all these people. They said, okay, it looks like the virus. It seems like that's what those emails were about, but we don't know because they're redacted. So, yes, they created a bad virus that infects humans, but I haven't seen the thing that says that that's the virus. That was the backbone that of is, SARS-CoV-2. That is the pandemic. Mm. That's we just, the we small just know. missing link. I see, I see, I see. Okay, so what's next on our on our chart then? Is SARS-CoV-2 of natural origin or chemically synthesized? Uh, so what you're saying is we know about some bat viruses. We know about a ton of gain-of-function research. And it seems like this Vanity Fair article is saying that we know the DARPA that it was, was the yeah. same thing. This Vanity Fair article is saying that, I mean, that's why Fauci's mad right now, is because people are saying, you knew they were doing this research on this virus in Wuhan. And Fauci's saying, no, I didn't. And the EcoHealth Alliance is saying, yes, he did. Right. So it seems to me pretty clear that we're talking about one and the same virus. But I haven't seen them say it's the one and the same virus. That's the thing that I haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's not everywhere. It's like it seems like the thinnest gossamer thread hasn't been clipped yet to make this story drop, which is is that's why uh, if you go to Twitter and you put hashtag drastic mm-hmm. in all caps, um, you can start to go down the rabbit hole of all the people who have been trying to make this connection and have succeeded in getting a whistleblower to produced the Eco Health Alliance proposal to DARPA that DARPA said was too dangerous. This is DARPA. 
Yeah. These guys are making robot dogs <laughs> with guns, right? If DARPA says it's too dangerous <laughs> to research, then one, it wasn't going to make a super soldier, and two, it might be really fucking dangerous. Uh, but Fauci thought not as dangerous, not, not too dangerous for the National Institute of Health. Eliz uh, Cox says it's just the big scary cattle prod that's running the herd off the cliff. Uh, in response to Robert Edwards. So Robert Edwards says, rather apparent SARS-CoV-2019 was a chimera as evidenced by its rapid decline and harm. Naturally evolving viruses don't weaken so quickly. It's just the, and then Liz Cox says, it's just the big scary cattle prod that's running the herd off the cliff. Oof. And a uh, new friend in the house, the algorithm has opened the gates briefly to allow Nikki Johnson in. Oh. She says, wow, great info. Thank you for sharing our hypothesis and supporting with credible facts. I'll be following. Oh, thanks. Um, on that note... <laughs> if you're interested in what we're doing here, we do this every Sunday at noon. Uh, the full video live is on YouTube, on the post-Orthodoxy YouTube page. You can also go to Twitch under The Seviers, and you will find the full shows as well as clips that we've pulled down. Woo-hoo! which we call post-orthodoxy microdoses Mm -hmm. where (laughs) we are sort of free ranging through this. And then we tried, I tried to distill down some of the best parts of the show into um, snack size clips. So you don't have to go through a two hour show to figure out what we're talking about. You can find that on the Sevier's uh, channel on Twitch. And then we also now have a website um, that maybe Ainsley would be kind enough to put into the thread. Um, and on that website, there is a link to Sevier Studios where we have a support button where we're encouraging people to do a recurring donation of at least $5 a month to help us. Um, we spend 40, 50 hours at least a week <laughs> in doing the show, prepping for the show, and handling Q&A with people who are yeah. mad at us for the most part. Well, and also we would love to handle Q&A with people who aren't mad at us, but those right. people are afraid of losing their jobs. This is the problem. Uh, we we started the website in order to uh, generate some support from our audience, and we are in the process of creating a Discord mm-hmm. chat so that we can actually talk to people past the 101 level. Uh, it seems on Facebook there's a lot of people who, uh, what I would say, a lot of my friends are in a trauma response to the, the like news the last around five us. years. <laughs> and so... It's making productive conversations difficult. If we start to go somewhere, then it slips out into an ad hominem mm-hmm. attack or mm-hmm. a straw man or something where we're not actually having productive conversations on Facebook threads. So we're looking at building a Discord so we can be having productive conversations with people who have gone past the one-on-one level of this story. And then we're creating this uh, murder board so that we can have a crowdsourced understanding of what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Because we're having arguments between people who don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't fully know what's going on. And people are having arguments with me that also don't know what fully is fully going on. I'm trying to hold back strongly held convictions and opinions about what's going on and have a nuanced dialogue where I feel like a lot of other people have just bought what the corporate media has said and they don't ever produce data beyond what I would call availability bias. Everybody said it, so it must be true. Right. All the scientists in the world have said it. This is the thing we keep hearing. The scientists said. Yeah, I think, um, or 97% of doctors or whatever. I'm like, okay, let me see some data. Yeah, yeah let's see. Let's because, see some data. Because if you can lose your career 
do you think you're going to come out and disagree with with uh, a narrative that could end your career? Yeah, we're starting a series. We're going to be starting a series with um, health professionals. Hashtag hero to zero mm. is a hashtag that you might have interest in following on Twitter or even Facebook. Some people still hashtag on Facebook. But if you want to know some stories outside of your bubble, you could follow hashtag hero to zero and hear stories and firsthand accounts from medical professionals that are not interested in perpetuating the mainstream story and have been blackballed, lost their jobs. We went from trust doctors and nurses and support our healthcare heroes to only those healthcare heroes, only some of the healthcare heroes, only some of the healthcare heroes are heroes. Uh, only the ones that say the thing that we think is the right thing are the healthcare heroes. Uh, and so you could follow hashtag hero to zero if you want to hear some of those stories and firsthand accounts from people on Twitter. Yes. I'm just putting hashtag drastic in there. I think it's a rabbit hole worth people going down if they're interested in the origin story. Mm, mm-hmm. So this is where we started today is we're talking about is the virus real and is it natural or man-made? So I think Drastic is the source that I'm going to, mm-hmm. my number one source. Uh, I've been going through a lot of other sources, and um, I've been, my Spidey sense, our Spidey sense since the beginning have been following these threads that did not go, did not seem to sit well, that was being fed into the mainstream narrative. And now that I'm reading Drastic, they are confirming our Spidey sense. They are confirming that, yeah, there's some there's some interesting um, stories happening behind the scenes that most folks don't know about. Yeah, and they've done a great job of putting it together. It is pages and pages of mainstream news outlets talking about drastic and what they've uncovered because the mainstream news outlets were only 18 months late to the story. Mm-hmm. So because they've done all the work now. Corporate media is starting to go to it, especially as the story comes out that the lab leak hypothesis that people were being censored and banned for last year is actually a story. Maybe not a hypothesis. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a conspiracy that has hidden that story. Yeah. And now it's becoming uncovered and proven to be an actual conspiracy. Ainsley and I were victims of censorship because we were saying things that people said that's a conspiracy theory. And almost everything that we were talking about that we people were mad at us about is now mainstream news. Yeah. FYI. <laughs> I don't want to, I mean, I think it's important to know what you're feeding your head. We talked about this on last week's show. You are what you eat. We started to care about what we put in our body. And I think we should start caring about what we put in our head. If I'm going to people who have been talking about this particular narrative since the beginning that have a good track record. Mm-hmm. I'm more inclined to listen to them than I am the CDC, who, who does, does not, not have, have a, a good, good track, track record. record. <laughs> They've lied. The WHO, who has conflicts of interest. Yeah. The CDC, who has conflicts of interest. Anthony Fauci, who has deep, deep, deep conflicts of interest. Yeah. Especially if he's the guy that approved the funding that created the virus that he's now advising us about. That's a conflict of interest. Yeah. It's about his career. It's about his reputation. It's about his all the people that he works with. Heads will roll if that little thread clips and this story actually drops in undeniable terms, which it could 
if the Freedom of Information Act was allowed to see the Fauci emails that have all the black lines over Freedom it. Freedom of information only goes so far. America. So I'm saying if you only watch one thing this week, watch this Chris Martinson video that outlines all of this data way smoother than we outlined it. He's got the clips of the information and the links up on his screen because yep. he has a production team that he's paying to do it for him. Um, and the video is called Odds Increase that SARS-CoV-2 was lab made. And in that video, he talks about how at the same time that the NIH allowed gain-of-function research, even though they weren't supposed to, Fauci also got into a deal with Moderna about building a vaccine that would be able to treat that particular kind of research to coronavirus. Interesting. I should find that, um, that article that's talking about Moderna being on the ropes and losing all its investors until suddenly a virus occurred. Hey, causation, uh, correlation. We, we don't have know. two third anniversary followers today. All Jason right. Silverstein and Kevin Noel Olson have been following this page since it was Copacetic Conversations. Aloha. Co- come back, Mokai. Um, <laughs> yes. So, questions. Can we look at our little map? We're looking at it. Okay. SARS-CoV-2 pandemic narrative hypothesis. This is our. This is our. So, um, everybody listening right now, we want you to contribute, and you don't have to do it. On the page, because I know there's a lot of people who watch the show. You that can send do it in, in stuff silence. anonymously. You can do it to the post-Orthodoxy uh, message board. You can do it to us personally. Mm-hmm. If you have any information, if we're missing some things, if you have a source that we haven't heard of. Yeah. Uh, I learned about the drastic folks from Chris Martinson, and it just went, because I was watching his video, it just went over my head. And then I started going down the rabbit hole of who drastic is. Mm. And I love them. This is a parallel institution we're supposed to be able to rely on our news organizations to as the fourth estate to be able to talk about abuses of power in politics or religion in corporations i don't think that the mainstream media is doing that anymore from my experience drastic is serving that function they are serving the function of the fourth estate they found a story they crowdsourced information and they got to the pretty much the bottom of the story and now the big you know what's, what's that uh, lady's name Rachel Maddow. Oh, Rachel Maddow. Are you talking about Walensky, the director of the no, CDC? No, no, Rachel Maddow. $30,000 a day Okay. to inform people. Right. She's these supposed guys, to be telling people the truth on these, the news. Yeah, these guys have no resources. Yeah. And this is like the biggest story of this new century. And all these $30,000 a day guys don't want to touch it. Why would that be? Weird. When Drastic has already done all the work. Yeah, just they, go. They've already they've already done the paper trail. Just go report what they reported. We decided we were going to do this um, murder map, this murder board, mm-hmm. and try to figure out the whole story. So I'm like, what is the story? And suddenly I found drastic. All mm-hmm. I had to do was, was ask asked, the question. Where did where did it come from? Do we know where it came from? And I found somebody. And this is on Google. Yeah. This isn't on DuckDuckGo. No. This is like on Google. You could like, know. Check out these guys. They seem to have figured out where the virus came from. Yeah. So if you you could know where the virus came from, a lot of people don't seem to think it's important. I think it's important, especially in light of the recent documents implicating Fauci in approving uh, the research that gave us the virus. Read this. Again. Likely gave us the virus. Read this again. Though this EcoHealth Alliance contradicts Fauci's claim and said in a statement, this data was reported as soon as we were made aware of it. In our year four report in April 2019, 2018, as in 
they knew that they had successfully caused a bat coronavirus to be contagious to humans in April of 2018, and so did Fauci and the NIH. Yeah, they knew about it. They knew about it back then. Um, Kevin Olson recommends a source for people that might be interested in the parallels. Oh. Uh, This book was written in 2018-19. Before this current pandemic, and it's Butte and the 1918 influenza pandemic. Janelle Older, Olberding. Yeah. So I reckon I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can find one of those. I probably have to get it on Kindle. It's 1099 on Kindle. Butte was an incomparable city, but in late 1918, some of the things that made it so exceptional also made it incredibly cruel. Mm. That year, the Spanish flu swept across the country, killing some 675,000 Americans. Some of the country's highest mortality rates occurred in its big cities. That makes sense. Pollution and crowds. In less than six months, the virus killed almost 2% of Butte's... The virus killed almost 2% of Butte's residents and overwhelmed public health systems. Experimental treatments, civil unrest, death, and human resilience followed in the dramatic final weeks of the year. Author Janelle Oldberding recounts the emotional struggle of the men and women who fought against, suffered from, and succumbed to influenza on Mm. the richest hill on earth. Very good. Thanks for that, Kevin. Cool. Add it to my bookshelf. Um... Sweet. So we have some people watching on Twitch. We've got some people joining us on YouTube, but they haven't commented yet. Right. Uh, and then we have our friends here on Facebook. Guys, we're going to, we've got to move away from Facebook. Please find some time to subscribe and follow us on Twitch or YouTube. YouTube. Yep. And, and, you, and YouTube is eventually going to deplatform us, I'm sure. Or maybe the bubble will pop and people will realize more of what's going on and they won't be able to deplatform us anymore for spreading information. Uh, spreading information, yes. We've been accused of spreading information. Um, as far as the murder map goes, yes. Can we put that back up for a second? Which one? Our hypothesis or the whole murder map itself? The whole murder map itself. So we dealt with the opening questions. And maybe we can let people know what future questions are. So they can help us uh, crowdsource some information for next week's show. What do you think about that? Okay. So this week, we, the Seviers have delved into and formed hypotheses about whether or not SARS-CoV-2 is a real thing. And our hypothesis is it seems as though this isn't just one of the coronaviruses that causes the common cold. It isn't just influenza A and B mislabeled. It's se- although I do think some of that was happening. Yeah. It seems as though there is actually a new novel coronavirus on the planet. That's the Sevier position. Yeah, it's a new virus. And the other part, is it natural or engineered? And it appears it was natural that has become a chimera, which is great that we're using mythological terminology. Yeah. A, a, a chimera has been unleashed on the planet. This is the kind of this is like science fiction stuff. We would love to hope that it was unleashed accidentally, and that's for next week. Yeah, next week. Next uh, week, we're going to explore it when that strange journalist from Asia showed up after our last. We didn't know it was our last show. Our last show on KBMF. He also introduced the idea. It was the first time that I had heard it about what was the name of those games. I have to look it up now. The World Military Games? Yeah, it was like the World... It was the World Military Olympics Games. Or, yeah. Uh, there's an article here. I'm going to share this article because it's crazy. I'm not sharing it because I, I vetted the article or whatever. I'm sharing it because it's... a it's. That's a thing people think. There's a lot going on in this article. And I got this article from the drastic folks. 
So I'm going to share this. I'm just going to copy and paste this and put this into our thread. <laughs> it's got a lot of stuff going on here, and this is what we're going to be talking about in next week's show. How slash when did SARS-CoV-2 start spreading? One, was it intentional or unintentionally spread? Two, did it come from a lab? Did it come from the military games? Did it come from... Oh, wait, from wait, wait. What? You can't share this link. What? From veteranstoday.com. You can't share this link. Facebook is telling you you can't share yeah, it? Yeah, a warning came up. <gasps> Should I do the thing? Should I do, screenshot do the screenshot that shit. of all our warnings? Screenshot it and send it to me in a messenger, and then I can put it up on the screen. You, uh, you your content... To, did you send it to me in a Facebook message? No, I will in a second. Your okay. content couldn't be shared because this link goes against our community standards. Veterans today. If you think this doesn't go against our community standards, let us know. <gasps> I'll let you know. I'm so excited to get off Facebook. Guys, go follow us on YouTube. Go okay. make a Twitch account. Go follow us on Twitter. Well, let me tell you about this Veterans Today article. All right. So this, I got this link from the Drastic folks. Will you I please think, send me that image? Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'll, t- I'll t- send it to it. you right now. Send I'm so right bad now. at split focus. You can do it. You can send it um, to me. I'm going to send it to you right now. So this Veterans Today article... Now, I need to go down the rabbit hole because this is what we do on our show. I go down the rabbit hole and I'm like, okay, what, what is all this business that's going on? So I would need to go down the rabbit hole of knowing who Veterans Today is before I would actually share this as a post. Mm, mm, mm. Veterans Today, looks like, let's see here, they got a video of Trump. Uh, oh, let's you see. didn't send me a picture. I did. I just sent you a thing. In Facebook Messenger? Oh, wait, I didn't hit the send part. <laughs> okay, so let's look at Veterans Today. Let's just, before I share with you what I'm trying to share, they have an advertisement for Mary L. Trump, PhD. And what is she writing about? Uh, too much and never enough. How my family created the world's most dangerous man. Okay, so Mary L. Trump is trying to capitalize on anti-Trump sentiments to sell a book is what it sounds like to me. That's what it sounds like, and it's on Veterans Today. That's one of their average, That's something that seems to be mm. shown up there. Or maybe they don't mean Trump. Maybe she means Biden. So it says Veterans Today since 2004 serving the clandestine community, whatever that means, the clandestine community. Uh, Veterans Today, exclusive. U.S. Army brought COVID-19 to China mm. with fake military games team, March 2020 story. What I find fascinating is there is the Washington, I can share the Washington Post story because they link to that, right? So this is an opinion. You ought to be able to share the Washington Post story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to share the Washington Post story and see what happens. So this Veterans Today article is not in your links. No, it's not in my links because this is for next week's show. Okay. And I just thought I would put it up there so people could check it out. But you can't. But this is linked in the Veterans Today story. It is the Washington Post story that says Congress is investigating whether the 2019 military world games in Wuhan was a COVID-19 super spreader event. Huh. So what I find interesting is that the U.S. military, now who's number one in the world? The U.S. The U.S. is number one. We're best military. It's like the only thing we're best at. Yeah, they ranked 35. They they, they didn't get any gold medals. I think they got a bronze. Like how I think many they got countries? A, they got a bronze medal. In golf. In golf. Oh, my gosh. So there's, I think, a story, and this is something I'm going to dive into and we're going to talk about next week as we start to connect some threads on the murder board. Right. So where did the virus come from then? How did it get out? 
And so the strange Asian journalist that showed up after ours, <laughs> he's the one that told me about the, those world games. Gave it to you as a thing to look into. He gave it to me as a thing to look into. He said, This okay. was in October 2019. October 2019. Now, I don't think that's the weirdest thing ever for two reasons. Yeah. One, uh, Astrid Selling is a foreign correspondent for post-Orthodoxy, and she used to tune in a lot from yeah. Sweden. Yeah. And when we were talking about global spread data and lockdowns uh, back before we got kicked off of KBMF, she told us that in Sweden they call it the American virus instead of the Chinese virus, LOL, because they did all their contact tracing with their, like, top-of-the-line um, medical system in Sweden and found out that the first cases of SARS-CoV-2 in Sweden came from some U.S. vacationers who had come to ski. Yeah, so they called it the American virus so, in Sweden. So the U.S. had it. That's one major story, and I'm going to get that data from Astrid, like an official news post or something. But it, it, it really sounds like um, uh, the U.S. had it before they were supposed to have had it, if that makes sense. And right. then my other information yeah. is that when scientists started collating, uh, generally these symptoms are COVID symptoms. When they started like disseminating the information, what symptoms to look out for as COVID symptoms, I started hearing so many friends tell me, oh, my God, my grandma died of yeah. that in November. I'm pretty sure I was sick with that last October. I think that my dad had that. Those are the exact same symptoms like way before it was supposed to have been in the U.S., I just, I'm going to share a link to a WHO page. You think right? you are. I'm going to, it's WHO. <laughs> Let's see if it goes. So uh, World Health, because I'm looking up timelines, right? Mm -hmm, I wanted to know mm -hmm. the timelines of how things go. So this is archived WHO timeline on COVID-19. An archived timeline. Yes. It okay. says the statement is no longer maintained. An updated version was published on 29th of June, 2020. Well, I'm going to look at that new version. Yeah. And look at their timeline. And see how their timeline matches. Same. So according to the WHO, the timeline begins on the 31st of December, 2019. That's what it says in this old timeline also. So what the, um, this, I'll read you the Veterans Today article and you can look it up yourself without the thing. But the, the article is called Exclusive U.S. Army Brought COVID-19 to China with Fake Military Games Team. This is a March 2020 story. March 2020, about October 2019, yes. the and, World Military Games. Right. And um, this particular Veteran Times story was put out in on October 10th, 2021. So they... Wait, wait. What's the second thing? It was published on Veteran Times. Veterans Today. Veterans Today on October 10th. I thought you said it was month. from March 2020. Look at the thing. It just says that it's a, a March 2020 story. Oh, I see. That they are now pulling out and talking about this month. Okay. So, um, and then the second headline is veteran, Veterans Today Vindicated 16 Months Later, 16 Months and 625,000 Americans Dead, it says. Uh, so it talks about Congress looking into whether the military games in Wuhan was a super spreader event okay. because apparently the U.S. soldiers were staying near the market where they say the virus started. Okay. Uh, so we're going to get into this next week. And then he has some clips from Chinese media that are U.S. Senate hearings yeah. talking about where the virus came from. And so it seems that 
the virus may have actually started in Washington State. Washington State or Washington, D.C.? Washington State. Which was one of the earliest places in the U.S. that we started seeing large amounts of cases once they started testing. They blamed it on the cruise ship. They hmm. said a cruise ship came in and oh, suddenly it's all over Washington. This story is saying it started in Washington, uh, Washington State. And I don't know if that's after. We're going to get into this next week. I don't know if that's after the soldiers came back or mm-hmm. what the whole story mm-hmm. was. But apparently uh, there were people that were describing COVID-like sicknesses as, as early as October. Were these soldiers all November. perhaps, these soldiers from the World Military Games in 2019, were they all perhaps stationed at NC Chapel Hill? I don't know. Which is one of the labs that was studying gain of function I, on this bat for coronavirus? We should go down that rabbit hole and see if we can find that information Erm. out. But anyway, the U.S. soldiers did really crappy at yeah. those games. Why, and why does it matter? Why does any of this matter? It's out. People are sick. People are dying. We're all fighting each other all the time. Why does it matter where it came from and how it started? It matters because you might be being lied to by the people that you've decided to trust to keep you alive. What's that line about your, your mom and brownies? How much poop in your brownies is okay? Yeah. How much lying is okay from your health experts? The people that you've decided to trust to keep you and your loved ones safe. How much lying is okay? Because it kind of sounds like Fauci, one, knew about this virus, two, funded the building of this virus, and three, funded the vaccines that are being bought to treat this virus. So here's a tweet from a Chinese government official, uh, Li Zhao. <laughs> CDC was caught on the spot. When did patient zero begin in the U.S.? How many people are infected? What are the names of the hospitals? It might be the U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. Be transparent. Make public your data. U.S. owe us an explanation. And then they have a video, which I I can't show because I'm not plugged in. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we're going to go down that rabbit hole and we're going to talk about, okay, so virus we think is real. We see that it was natural and then was screwed with to deal with humans. It seems to be most that likely story. Be, that's, that's the narrative I'm going with until yep. I find a better one. Yeah. It, well, uh, until you find one that has more data to back it up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Something that's more convincing. Yeah. That's the most convincing narrative that I've heard. Mm-hmm. So next week, we're going to talk about where did it start and how did the spread go about? And I think we're going to be talking about the, these, these games in China. The uh, The world military games games as potentially the earliest place that it started spreading, but maybe not the only place. Um, I think we can go back to that as potentially the earliest place that this um, intentionally engineered coronavirus began spreading. Um, And how did it get out? When and how? When and how? Do you have a theory? Do you have a theory on when and how? Because um, I'm going to share this video and see if it goes. Yeah. We want to know what your theories are or theories that you've heard for when and how. If there's something that you've heard for when and how SARS-CoV-2 started spreading that's not on our map, let us know and we'll investigate it. Yeah. We're looking to crowdsource this thing. I'm really happy when I said, let's do a map because I haven't seen a map. I'm starting to find the narrative maps. I'm, you know, like drastic is one, mm-hmm. but they're focused only on the origin of the virus. That's their main focus is the origin. Yeah. And who's implicated in creating it and what is the cover up around it? So that is a source for that. Now I need to find some good sources for how the virus started to go about. 
Other topics we're going to be talking about is the PCR test. We'll go down that rabbit hole because I think that's a big, important part of the story. We're going to talk about the lockdowns. And um, we now have enough data to start doing a um, risk-benefit analysis, which we said back in April, May of 2020, that that was probably going to prove to be our reaction to the virus was going to be more deadly than the virus. Mm. That's what we were saying. It seems that that's the case now. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the lockdowns. and We're going to have to talk about and, the beagles. And why are, why are uh, people who die of coronavirus more important than people who die of starvation because suicide. of the effects of our reaction to the virus? Why are people who die of suicide? Why are people who die of drug overdose? Why are people who couldn't get into the hospital because of the lockdowns? Why are all those deaths that are piling up Bigger yeah. than the corona. Why are these deaths not important to the pajama class? We're going to talk about the pajama class, too. And we'll have to talk about the beagles, too. The pajama class is this new term for people who are just like, why doesn't everybody just, you know. Lock down, lock down and, and, and wear a safe. mask. These are people who can go to work in their underwear because they're doing Zoom Cause, meetings. Because you're wealthy. Because you have pandemic privilege. We're going to talk about the pajama Trademark. class. We're going to talk about the pajama class um, shaming the essential workers who've been checking your groceries for the last 19 months and haven't died and why um, they're being shamed by the people who are a pretty frightened class of neurotic folks, it seems, that are just hiding in their living rooms and wondering why everybody's not as afraid as they are. Hmm. Maybe because those people have actually been outside for the last 20 months and not dying. So, so maybe the fear is a little unfounded for them. So what do you think is a good wrap-up of today before we just go straight down the rabbit hole? I don't want to mix our personal Ugh. feelings into things too much because it delegitimizes what we're talking about for oh. a lot of folks. Well, these are my feelings, and we I'm going to be honest yeah. about them. We have to think about the variety of audiences that might be tuning in or not tuning in. I want people here's, – here's who I want. What do you want? Here's, here's what I want. Yeah. I want people to help me on my journey to understand what the fuck is going on. I think it's a big story. This is a big story. I'm not getting paid as a journalist mm-hmm. unless you subscribe to our page at Better Time. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-T-I dot M-E. I want to know what's going on. And I have feelings about it because people are dying. So uh, the murder map, I think, is important to create a um, epistemological ground floor that we can then have discussions from. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're having discussions from... From ungrounded conspiracies, from very grounded conspiracies, from people who are just listening to mainstream news that is outdated, from people who are listening to global data, from people who are only listening to their local health department. Mm. There's a lot of different, there's not an epistemological ground floor that we can have a productive conversation from. That's what I want to do with the murder map, the murder board, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I want to figure out. Um, if we're all talking from the same universe to come to a conclusion that might help us um, diminish some harms that are being done because of all the radical disinformation that is being spread around. That's what I want. So if you want to be a part of the story, um, talk to us in public or private. Share your sources on the topic of next week's show, which is where did the virus start spreading? Did it, was it leaked intentionally or was it leaked unintentionally? Do we know? Can we, we know? Can we know? 
And if not, what theories are out there and which one seems the most likely? That's going to be next week's focus. What data do we have to back up any of those theories? That's what we're looking for, data. Yeah. Um, yeah, good show. So that was a good conversation. It felt really... a little clunky. I'm trying yeah. to figure out how to do this. I'm trying to figure out how to do the murder map and bullet points. Yeah. But I think we'll we're, get better. We're going to start and that map's going to get crazy. And next week, um, we're not at our peak viewership right now because it's t- coming on the end of two hours. But yeah. next week, um, when we're at our peak viewership of the show, I'm going to thank some of the people who have subscribed to Better Time yeah. already, um, who are supporting the work that we're already doing. So if you take any value from this work, uh, chuckle or uh, I say, say if you take a chuckle from our work, you could subscribe for $5 a month. And if you get some links to share with your friends and loved ones from the show, maybe you subscribe for $20 a month. That'd be great. It's, uh, it's not very much money from a bunch of individual people will make a big difference in our ability to focus on um, what we want to do, which is to have conversations with you guys about cognitive liberty. And right now, the biggest thing that we need to have cognitive liberty about is what the heck is actually going on with SARS-CoV-2 and the pandemics because lives are being lost and not just COVID deaths. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. We know enough now to make it less dangerous, to make our reaction to the virus less dangerous. To other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Whew. That's the end of the show. Funsies. Yeah? Did you have a good time? Yeah, I always have a good time. All right. Thanks for playing. We'll see you next week. See you guys next week. Thank you for visiting our Outpost in the Borderlands. Post-Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing, interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post-Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. If you take value from the work we are doing and the community we're building together, you can support the Outpost in the Borderlands for as little as $5 a month on our website, BetterTime. That's betterti.me. Visit the Sevier Studios page and subscribe. You can also support The Outpost by following and connecting with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and or Substack. Our post-Orthodoxy theme music was composed by Frank Pascal, and a special thanks goes to our voice actors, Amelia, Colin, Zbo, Rosie, Gabo, Vicky, Mokai, and Tony. Thanks for playing. (laughs) What's outside your reality bubble? I think I dribbled a bit, that last one.